welcome to Coming Up for Air, the Allies in Recovery podcast, with hosts Laurie McDougall, Kayla Solomon, and Dominique Simone Levine. Okay, ladies, I have a topic for today that I'm hoping we can kind of go over in the rest meetings that we're having. Right now, we happen to be looking at module five. And there are a lot of tiny little issues or things that get missed in module five that I'm really hoping that we can address and encourage our listeners and our allies and recovery members to make sure and not skip module five. The first thing is, is the title. The title of module five is my loved one is not using right now. Now what? Any ideas on why it actually, that title alone, family members kind of skip over module five and save it for later? Some families will tell us their loved one is always using. There are no breaks. Family members will say that, but there's something even more underneath that people don't understand what that title is saying. And you kind of are alluding to it. Yeah, Kayla? I have an esoteric response to that, which is, I think that our family members are often responding to crisis and that's when they're on duty and they move forward and they, they're activated. And when things are not happening, nobody knows what to do with that because it's such an unfamiliar state of affairs. That's absolutely true. But I will tell you, and I did this. And I keep hearing a lot of family members come in and say, well, yeah, no, I don't need to watch that module. And I know why, because I did the exact same thing. When I first found the Allies in Recovery website and I was reading the titles of the modules, when I got to module five, it said, my loved one is not using right now. Now what? My loved one was using. Not all the time, but he was using, right? So he was on a run. He was actively using, he wasn't in recovery. He wasn't sober. He wasn't abstinent. He was using. And so I skipped over module five and went straight to module six, which says my loved one is using right now. Now what? So I didn't understand that I needed to know the times of use according to the craft methodology or approach. I think what a lot of families miss and people training on craft, I've seen this, craft is designed to work in the day. And so there are moments in a day when they're not using. And the focus, if you're not looking at this present situation, and if you can focus in on the day, that's all we mean is you're going to do this in the moment that you see them. And it could be different one day from the next. It's an application of an idea, but we're having you slow it way down and get down to that actual interaction. So that's the first piece about module five is family members. I'm going to tell you right now, do not avoid watching module five. It does pertain to your situation because what module five is talking about is right here in the moment with your loved one right in front of you. Are they using or not using? It's not this broad, well, they've been using for three years, so they are using. It's right here in the immediate moment. They're right in front of you. Have they been using or have they they not? 
And it's also important to identify the time frame when a loved one is considered using and according to craft, right? I keep saying according to craft, we're looking at a time frame of when they're using and when they're not using. So this is what you want to do for both module five and module six. You want to identify two things, using or not using in this very moment. So if they are not using module five, which is all about reward, reward, reward. If they are using module six, which is all about removing immediate rewards. But it's important to understand there's three times, two of them, the family member might not understand that it's still considered a time of use. So Dominic, can you just outline what are those three times so there's a period before somebody picks up a, a drink or a drug that they are set to do it. It's a little too late to try and get in front of them with a nice dinner or an alternative plan or anything we might come up with as suggestions or in your situation that you think might work to divert them from a using episode. So in that period when it's too late for that, they're rifling through the drawers, they're on their phone, they keep looking at their phone, it's not ringing, it's not ringing, you know, get out of their way. And this is a moment of use for us just prior. During use, it's clear they're actually using a substance or drinking. And then we also want to include the period right after use in that immediate period of withdrawal or hangover that would be the entire period of use, just before, during, and just after. So we'll make it clear for family members, this is what we're talking about in module five and module six. Times of use is just before when you can't intervene, you're not gonna be able to stop them. They've actually been using, and then the recovery period after they've been using, that kind of hangover period. If they're not in that state, in any one of those three states, then that means they are not using. So then when they're not using, module five kicks in. So I would use the word altered to uh, describe that. So when you're obsessing about using and getting it is part of the process. And I think people think about use as a particular behavior of actually having it in your body but it's really the obsession about getting it and how you're going to do it and that very intense plan to go get it or have it or whatever, the using of it. And then you're still altered when you're coming off of it. And that's the other thing is the after is a little bit more confusing, I would say, for people because there's the actual like hangover, withdrawal, there's symptoms of getting off of it where people are not actually able to be present because they're they're very much still in it. The withdrawal part of it is really what I think about as suffering. Like people are uncomfortable, they're cranky, they're physically not well, they're still in it at that moment because it's it's very consuming. A good piece to point out too is that what we're talking about is that recovery period after an episode of drinking or using substances, right? That we're talking about this recovery period not necessarily this, you know, major withdrawal no. from drugs when a person is really, really suffering. And the reason why it's so important when someone is recovering or like having that hangover time 
we often as family members tend to go in and nurse and, hey, you want some Tylenol or you want some Motrin? You know, I made some chicken soup. This might make you feel better, right? Those are all moments of rewarding. And Kraft doesn't want you to do that. Kraft wants you to not punish, but just not go in and reward because that's reinforcing negative behavior. Like I'm going to take care of you if you do use and I'll help you feel better. And instead, what we want you to do is we want you to kind of step back and let the person deal with their own hangover. They can do it themselves. I think of this as, as family members, we don't want our loved ones to be uncomfortable. And part of the, when we talk about the negative responses is we're allowing them their discomfort and not trying to come in and take care of them and make them feel more comfortable. We're allowing for discomfort because truthfully, my my fundamental belief about change is nobody changes when they're comfortable. Nobody. And that's one of the main dynamics of craft is we are allowing people to experience the consequences of their behavior, which is discomfort. And you don't want to you don't want to raise that for them by making, by pairing with them, by bonding with them and saying, hey, you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Da 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 da. You know, all of that, you'd actually want them to feel isolated. You want to make this as strong a distinction between what has just happened and leaving them to it and you removing yourself as a reward, but also to do what Kayla's saying, which is to, to let them suffer in this non-dangerous way, right? Anytime you can allow that natural consequence and it's not dangerous, you want to allow it. The pain of a hangover or withdrawals from cocaine or you know, all the rest of it is, is super uncomfortable. It's motivating, it will motivate you. But Kayla, the other way that people are motivated towards change is when they want something that's out of reach, you know, that right now they're not so comfortable. They're not comfortable enough to, to stop using. It's not bad enough maybe, but there's also something they can't have and the using is getting in the way. And in our modules, I talk about a guy's golf swing. It's just to make the point that it doesn't have to be much. This guy wanted to improve his golf swing, this husband. And so he would not use prior to going to the range. And he actually looked down in disdain on people who would drink and swing. There are moments, and that's what we're saying. We're not saying there are a lot. We're not saying that you have to catch all of them. We just want you, again, to see the total pattern and how you're stepping in and stepping out of that is influencing and motivating. Basically, be aware of these three states just before using and then during the recovery period, be aware of that, that's using. And then everything else is not using, right? The individual is not using. And just become aware of the pattern. So it's one or the other and make a decision whether that's what you're looking at is using or not using. Now, this is also very complicated for family members to understand because I will hear over and over again, I'll hear a couple of things. My loved one is trying to moderate or I have no idea. They're always, they're always using. And I want to hear your thoughts on that. Dominique, can you talk about that? Yeah. It's hard to get that clear in your head. It took me a long time. Now I get it. Now I understand. 
after ha putting it in practice over a long period of time? Okay, there are two things here. So the way I like to say it is the world divides in two. They're either using or not using. And we've got a good definition of what using and not using looks like, right? Non-using looks like abstinence, but maybe not always. Maybe your loved one is trying to moderate the alcohol. You know very well that they've tried. They've tried it a hundred different ways. It doesn't work, but they still want to try. So maybe in your head and maybe in partnership with your loved one, you might say, look, you know, sure. I think, you know, if you want to try two drinks in the evening, all right, let's, let's see how you do. And it's a way of partnering out, you know, we'll have you do that in the evenings if you on those evenings you want to drink. And so the line just shifts over to two drinks. So now he's technically not using if it's two or less drinks. As soon as he goes to that third drink, you pop over to the side of, uh oh, he's using. And so he's using, you're going to remove rewards, you're going to allow natural consequences, and you're going to remove yourself. And so that's a way of shifting it for when they, when somebody wants to moderate. And we have examples of that in the site. The other thing that goes on is when you think they're always using. I hear this a lot from folks that have somebody in their life that's really chronically drinking or opiate use, right? Or a drug that really has these strong negative withdrawal symptoms that force you constantly to have to chase the drug. But even people with opioid use disorder have moments when they need to clean up their act a little bit, or they don't want or can't find the drug of choice. And so what do they do? Well, right now you can buy a, a Suboxone strip in the street for $5. That's a way of getting just a little bit of opioid into your system sufficient to sort of level you out, keep you from withdrawals and get you through your day. That as a family member, you might want to see periods when they do things like that as non-use. So that gives you that distinction. The, you know, you're always trying to separate your behavior and response, and you're gearing it to what you're seeing. So if you see them get a Suboxone strip, not get drugs, not inject drugs, whatever it is, when you're pretty sure it's just low-level maintenance, alcohol users might just drink 3.2 beer, light beer, just to get through the day without losing themselves and being able to get a few things done, right? So there are periods in everybody's addiction careers, if you will, of high use and low use. So you, as the family, you can start to differentiate between the two. Because the, the key point here is it's your reaction, it's your response that we're looking for. You wanna identify what they're doing, but it, it's up to you to change your behavior. I'd like to kind of give our listeners a couple of ideas to think about just those moments when your loved one is not using that you might not have thought about. I'm just thinking of things like, you know, they might have been drinking the night before, but first thing in the morning, they get out of bed. They don't drink again until, you know, I don't know, maybe they get out of bed, eat breakfast and start drinking at 11 o'clock. Well, that's a time frame where they're not drinking, maybe your only option is breakfast, that this is a time when they're not drinking, or they have a court date, and they're going to be tested, right? There's a drug test for their court date. And they've got like three days that they have to get that drug out of their system. I mean, there's all sorts of like, little places 
maybe um, maybe your loved one only drinks in the evening when or starts drinking in the evening when you sit down to dinner, but they walk through the door after working, they haven't been drinking. That's a time when, okay, maybe I can take advantage of this moment when they have not been drinking. It doesn't mean that you're going to be able to intervene in a way and get them to stop drinking for the night, but you might be able to do something just for 10 minutes to reduce the drinking by, you know, a couple of minutes each day. Well, it's interesting listening to you, Lori, because what it makes me realize is that the process that we're talking about is almost microscopic. These are not gigantic things. And I feel like what we're trying to basically talk about is increasing really, really clear awareness as opposed to just like having the kind of global, oh, they're they're using drugs all the time. And I think what I keep hearing everybody talking about is that what the two of you are talking about is that there are moments of breathing rooms. I see the pain the same way, okay? People like, oh, I have chronic pain. I'm in pain all the time. Even if you have chronic pain, I see it as waves, okay? So what happens is you're going to have a wave where it's like a oh, low level pain, and then you're like tapping out at a 10 pain, and then it goes back down. And there are going to be moments of close to zero pain. And it's the same thing with this is that we are going to tune in and really witness details so that you actually have a chance to make different choices. But you can't do it without stepping back and watching and having more of an observer self. And ironically, the observer self is coming from a different part of the brain, which is not reactive. That you have two goals of this. One is that you're calming yourself down. And the other thing is that it's more than two. You change the story so that instead of saying they're using constantly, they're not using constantly. And then when they're not using, this is your opportunity to step in and go for the other tools that we're talking about. And the rewards really are based on relationship. Okay. That's your number one tool is to actually have a positive relationship in these spaces between. And that builds up. So I'm glad you bring this up because that's what module five is all about. Module five is the rewarding module. It's learning how to reinforce giving rewards for non-using behavior. So it's important to identify because this is another big piece. Believe it or not, people struggle with what a reward is and also the difference between a bribe, an incentive, and reinforcing positive behavior. In the rest meetings, we often get a definition going of what a reward is. I'll ask them, I want a definition. Give me a definition of a, of a reward. Let's get a room definition. And I will tell you, I almost always get, well, a reward is something to reinforce something, you know, some kind of positive behavior. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that's true. But does it also reinforce negative behavior? Because I think it's really important to understand that you can actually reward negative behavior. And oftentimes we are doing that. We are doing that without even being aware of it. It's kind of like accidentally reinforcing a behavior that we don't want. So what I mean by that is like what we were talking about earlier is let's say someone has a hangover and we go in there with these lovely rewards, like a bowl of chicken soup. And that's actually reinforcing negative behavior. 
So it's important, I think, to be clear on module five that craft has actually some very specific outlines or characteristics of what you want your rewards to be. You want them to be reinforcers of positive behavior, behaviors that you want to see repeated over and over and over again. And then there's a couple of other things, which I think are really important. And you kind of started talking about those, Kayla. The first thing is they're either cheap or they have no cost involved at all. And there's really logical reasons as to why you don't want them to be necessarily expensive. And please understand everybody that Allies in Recovery and Craft isn't saying you can't give expensive gifts to somebody. But we're when we're talking about this reinforcing positive behavior, we're really talking about something that's very inexpensive or it's no cost. And let's talk about that in a minute. And then the other thing is that it should be pleasurable to your loved one, right? Because some people will give rewards that it's more what I want my loved one to do or to be. We're thinking about it in terms of a gift rather than a reward. So, and just a quick example of that is I had a mom give her son who was in prison at the time, a self-help book after he had attended all of yeah, I know Kayla's laughing. She's giggling. It, it is kind of adorable. It's a great attempt. She loves him. He was, you know, attending all of his meetings and working with the program in the prison system. So she sent him this self-help book, but I asked her, Hey, um, did he ask for the self-help book? Because I needed to get this point across that, no, it's something that's pleasurable to him not what you want. And so you can imagine, I mean, Kayla, <laughs> what do you think her son felt when he got this book? Or what do you think he, what do you think he did with the book? I have no idea what he did with it other than possibly use it for toilet paper. <laughs> but really, it's like, even with any, more self-help books have wound up in the trash or recycling bin than anything, because you have to be exceptionally motivated to do a self-help book. And again, it's like, Part of the tuning in that we're talking about is what does the person want? I'm a, I'm a couples counselor, okay? And we do this, this exercise about caring behaviors. And what's fascinating is what I consider a caring behavior is not at all what my partner considers a caring behavior. And so one of the things that I would do in the in between time is to find out what caring looks like or what the person's interested in so that I then have more more knowledge about whatever. So for example, I just went to one of those um, white elephant sales. This person handed me this bag that was like Patriot paraphernalia, which to me, it's like, that's going right to goodwill. Um, <laughs> but my partner happens to be a Patriot fan. And although she didn't like the little stuffed animals, there was a book on Patriot information the Patriot team, by the way, this is the football team. And she really likes that. And it's like, if you gave that to me, I would be so offended and horrified by it. But for her, it's like, this is really an interesting book. I'm like, what? So you need to know the other person. And part of what we're talking about is this awareness. You're paying attention. You're noticing what they talk about. You're noticing what they used to be interested in. You're thinking about who they are. And that's also a bonding aspect. It's like the differences are lovely, but they don't, they're not lovely if you don't acknowledge the differences and you're disappointed that they don't like what you like. Of course they don't like what you like, but what do they like? And are you witnessing it? And I feel like 
out of everything that Allies does is we're talking about increasing awareness. That's what this module is. It's like you are actually going to step back and notice what you're seeing and notice what this person is doing and notice the cues and also the reward part you cannot do if you're not noticing what they're interested in and what they talk about and what they care about. That's the other factor of noticing. There's nothing easier to give in a moment when you you see your loved one not using or low using or just using whatever, not the drug of choice that you're, you're focused on, which is a point I'm just going to make really quick is that the other way to sort of carve up this picture is you have somebody who's using multiple drugs and like the mom I spoke to yesterday, stimulant use, weed and psychedelics. And we quickly all agreed that we were going to go after the stimulants because super dangerous, binge, all your money gone for days and he's 19, you know, so so for sure, that's the one very hard to front load it, but she can see it when he's home. And so you're going to want to address just perhaps the stimulant use and you're going to allow the rest of it. And that's that's going to be the way you divide your, your use in two, right? So on one end, non-using includes the weed, includes the random use of a psychedelic and you're going to go after the stimulant use. So when you see the stimulant use, and we're going to teach her how to be more aware of it, we're going to teach her how to respond when he comes home. She's very clear when he comes home from it, because he's talking a mile a minute and saying things he would never say to her otherwise. But if he comes home not having used the stimulant, it's like you plant yourself in front of him, you give him a big smile, you say, hey, it's good to see you. You look good. Come on back. I'm making some something. Come on in, let's have a bite to eat. That is a really good reward. That is something that is probably in terms of craft, maybe the most important thing you can give another person, which is a moment of kindness, a moment of, of addressing them, some warmth, some focus, some attention. And I think what both you and Kayla are bringing up is I consider it to be two categories of rewards. One of them is things or money. And then the other one, I call them rewards, rewards of connection. And both you and Kayla are stressing rewards of connection. Notice that there are no cost, right? There's no cost involved of, with giving someone a hug and a few words of praise. Which of the two between the things, which are things like, you know, video games or a skateboard and gifts of or rewards of connection, which do you think is the first type of reward that when people are first using module five, that they run to, that they start using right off the bat? The video game. Yeah. It's the things and the money. And we're not saying don't do that. We're, we're not. We are saying do it strategically, but heavily leaning on the no cost connective rewards. That's the key. Okay, so I just have to jump in about the money thing that you keep alluding to. You know, I understand that that you want to get the gym membership or the video game or, you know, to pay for a car repair or to give them money for a car repair. But I get anxious about this because if somebody is still using and you give them something that is a sellable 
material that they could be using to get high. So I have a really hard time with that. And I think that that goes back to the expensive rewards that if it's expensive, that is a very valuable thing if you want to get high. And that's why people steal from your house. And that's why people sell all of their possessions. And so I also feel like it undervalues the connection piece is what you're saying, Lori. It's like the connection piece is what people are lacking and they're looking for. And so we think that if they get the object, they're going to feel better, but it's it, they're going to feel better if they're feeling more like you see them and that you're with them and that you notice when they're doing well. That's really a very valuable exchange. The, the other way to reward, which we haven't covered, is nonverbal things that you can do with your loved one. The one we talk about in the modules is putting coffee by her bedside because she didn't come home drunk last night. But there are all these little thoughtful things because you're more aware and I know most of us do this naturally with the people we love, but making it a little more conscious, making it strategic when you do do it and when you don't do it. This is what we're talking about, is really trying to create that difference, that contrast. On the left is the using behavior of the husband. On the right is what the husband does when his wife is not using, right? Or when his husband is not using. So you become you're the one that's changing here in the story. And it's because of these little changes and these little refinements, if you will, to the cues, to your observations, to your response, to your calmness, that you're able to make this distinction. The world cuts in half when they're using and when they're not using. And one other, while I'm at it, the other thing is behaviorism is what we're talking about. And this is, you know, what we've done with pigeons and dogs and dolphins. And one of the keys in, in behaviorism is pairing it, right? So it's not that easy to do a behavior, to try and change the behavior of another person with a reward. You have to catch exactly that behavior that you want to reward. And, you know, a dog does five things before he's finally sitting down in front of you. So you might catch him just when you call him, you know, maybe it's the ear that jacks up and turns halfway. You know he's heard you, but he hasn't actually turned around and come back. And then, so you might reward that. So we're talking about watching that behavior unfold and rewarding along the way. So that's a more sophisticated way to reward, but you'll be able to do that soon enough. You will see it coming. You will have some idea. Yeah, you know, he's had he had court today and he's coming straight home from court. You know, so he probably won't be using. So I'm going to pay attention to this and just get in there and maybe a comment when he first comes through the door, but then just, hey, you know, it's really nice to spend time with you like this. You know, so whatever it is along the way, but making it clear, even if you're not saying it, if you're not able to say it, you know, the code is your eyes are clear. We all know what that means, right? That's so interesting that you're saying that because, and I have to use the dog analogy because I took my dog to an obedience class. And in the first class, they said, leave your dog home. We're training you. And I think that if there's anything that we're talking about today is that you are being trained to behave differently. That's a gift because that puts you in a power position to change. You know, it's overwhelming. It's hard. I, it was torture for me to do that with my dog. And what you're talking about is shaping so that as everything slightly changes, you're rewarding, you're catching, you're catching, you're catching, but you can't catch if you're not looking. 
And so what we're doing is saying, okay, we're going to train you to have a different lens on this and to see minutiae so that you could shape things as they change. And every time you reward something, it gets bigger. That's the point of rewarding. It's like that behavior gets bigger. Now, do not look for immediate change because that's ridiculous. But what happens is every time you notice something and reward it, it has a possibility of increasing that behavior. And that's what you want to do. But you need to be doing this for yourself. You have to change to be able to even engage in this process. And I also think there's a few points about module five that I think need to be brought up. And that is, this is not a perfect process. We're not looking for you to be correct every single moment of the day. That's not it. You want it to more become this flow sort of thing. Like, okay, if you believe your loved one is drinking all the time or using all the time, and maybe all you can do is target moments when they're not really, really, you know, drinking a six pack or whatever it is. So if they only had two beers, right, and they're working on moderation, say, if they only have two beers, or you don't know, let's say you don't know, they go out with a bunch of buddies and they and it's your husband, he goes out with a bunch of buddies, you watch the game, you know they were all drinking beer, he's committed to two beers, he comes home and he's not heavily intoxicated. That is a time to reward. But if he comes in and he's overly intoxicated for you, right? You notice it, you see it. Okay, module six. Okay, remove immediate rewards. Okay, we can talk about it tomorrow. I'm glad you're home. I'm headed off to bed, that kind of thing. It's more of this flow, this natural, yep, make a decision. Were they drinking? Are they using? Okay, they are. I'm gonna remove immediate rewards. They're not, okay. Hey, I'm so, you know, let's sit down. Let's have a cup of coffee together, right? It's more of this kind of natural flow. And the good piece about that is that none of this is about punishing your loved one. So it's okay if you get it wrong some of the time. It doesn't have to be perfect. Maybe your loved one comes in, you miss a few signs you know, you're in a conversation and you're really engaging. And then 10 minutes later, they do something that indicates to you, oh, I could be wrong. I think I'm wrong here. I think they have been using, or I think they are. Okay. Well then you exit right then. Then that's it. You just, okay, I got to switch to module six. I was wrong. Not a big deal. I'm going to go ahead and remove immediate rewards. It's not a punishment. It's not about perfection. It's about getting in there and trying to see the patterns, trying to understand. It's kind of like reading the room and deciding. We we do want you to make a decision. Module five, module six, which am I going to do? Just to reinforce that point, because we have families and, oh my God, I didn't know and I couldn't be sure. And module three helps you tease out all the details that you may or may not be totally conscious of around the use behavior. So you have that to work with and that to fall back on when, when you're trying to size it up. And as Lori is saying, you can get it wrong. And because this is such a gentle program and you're just removing rewards, it's like, okay, he comes home and he's actually much higher than you thought he was. And you went, hey, got to see you. Let's have a cup of coffee. I made a fresh pot. Okay. So you didn't want to do that because that was rewarding and you missed it. 
it's not the end of the world. None of this is the end of the world. They won't notice a lot of it and neither will your dog notice that you are rewarding and shaping and moving him to the point where he's going to turn around and come sit at your feet, right? So it's really for you to be gentle with, get as clear as you can, but be really easy on yourself because getting it wrong simply isn't that big a deal in, in our program. You really aren't doing anything. You're not throwing them out. You're not confronting them. You're not creating a scene, any of the things that might've happened in the past. It's really low, low vibe. There's a few other things in module five. I don't think we can get into them today because this is a long discussion. But I'm also thinking that maybe we do another podcast on rewards, because believe it or not, it happens to be a very difficult concept for family members and to understand the difference between like what a bribe is, what an incentive is, and what reinforcing positive behavior is. Most family members think it all fits under one category, and it doesn't. And actually, what we're talking about is one thing in specific, and I don't kind of want to let it out of the bag. I want you to go and watch module five and module six and start working on it. And then maybe we'll have a discussion about it later. But Kayla, why don't you go ahead and just give us a quick summary about what we talked about today. So I want to point out that we're leaving you with the cliffhanger. It's like the old radio soaps. So you have to come <laughs> back and listen, but also go to module five so that you actually have kind of a base level of knowledge. But basically what we're talking about is that one of the tenets of craft is the reward system and that you're going to be rewarding positive behavior and removing rewards for negative behavior. And what we're talking about is increasing your awareness by witnessing, watching, and noticing your loved one's behavior. And so the cycle of use, which is before, during, and after, right after is use. And then there's these periods and they might be tiny little moments of not using, which is when you move in with these gentle, quiet, connecting rewards, nothing big. We're not talking about flashy and also really calming your system down enough to be able to do this process because without being calm, you are not going to be able to pull it off. And that's what this is about. And then if you want more information, go to module five and it will give you a lot of information. And really, the, all of the modules are incredibly helpful. So if you're struggling, go on the site and start really participating in the modules because it will make a massive difference. Because the more you have in your toolbox, the more you're going to feel equipped to do this. And then, again, all of this is trial and error. It's like what Dominique was saying is that don't be, don't judge yourself for not doing it right, but notice how what you're doing makes an impact. And then that's part of the noticing. Come back next week for the rest of the cliffhanger. Sounds good. And don't forget, everyone, if you go to the Allies in Recovery website and you become a member, right now we're offering a 10-day challenge. So the 10-day challenge is watch half of the video modules and do the exercises that come along with it. And you qualify for a one-day $250 training. So go to the website, check it out, see if you're interested. We'd love to see you. Thank you. Bye, ladies. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating 
This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.